This is Bishop Wall coming to you from the Diocese of Gallup on Crozier Cast. And today we have a special guest for our podcast. Uh, this is the newest uh, priest in the Diocese of Gallup, uh, Father Mitchell Brown, who was ordained a priest at the Cathedral of the Sacred Heart on June 9th, uh, 2018 of this year. So, Father Mitchell, welcome. Thank you, Your Excellency. It's good to be with you. So, since you were ordained, what have you been up to? So, after ordination, I had about a week down in your homeland in Phoenix. Well, your second homeland. We all know you're from Gallup. So, yeah, everybody <laughs> uh, from... I'm an Arizona boy. I was from the... from uh, uh, Chinle, born in Ganado. But, yeah, well, that's what everybody does in the middle of the summer. They go down to Phoenix, I guess, for <laughs> Well, vacation. I went down there with uh, with some friends that have I've been in seminary with my whole time. And then, so Father Fernando Camus. And I was visiting him for a little bit and was there for the ordinations in Phoenix. Uh, so a, a classmate of mine, Father Bing Sun Nguyen, was ordained the week after my ordination. So it was a joy to be down there for him and to participate in the ordination ritual yet again as a priest. And you got you were able to lay hands on him. Yes, that was. It's one of the things that an ordination, um, if it's an ordination of a bishop, bishops lay hand on the bishop. If it's an ordination of a priest, the brothers who can celebrate get to lay hands on. I did that two weeks after I was ordained in Ireland as well, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, so that's good. You got to, to lay hands on and you, on him. And you, you two were in the seminary for how many years in a row? Uh, seven years together. Because you uh, were at the Josephinum together and then at the NAC together mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so it was, it was neat to, that gesture of laying on hands is a very priestly gesture, very ancient, and so to be able to do that in a very profound way, knowing that he's about to become a priest as well, was very beautiful, uh, especially because, as you say, we were together in seminary for so long. Then after that, I had a couple weeks at home with my family, um, just resting and recovering from <laughs> the preparation for ordination, ordination itself, and then being down in Phoenix. And then after that, I was in Winslow for five weeks. I just got back to Gallup today, working with Father Peter Short. Um, and it was, a, it was a great time because he was gone on the weekends, so I really got to experience. So that's why it was great because he was gone on the weekends. <laughs> I knew we'll I should have, have made a comment Father on Peter that. Know that. <laughs> no, it's good just to be able to experience the full Sunday, the full Sunday uh, of a priest. So there were confessions and an evening mass on Saturday, two Sunday masses, and so I know that's not the biggest schedule that there can be, especially in our diocese. But just to kind of get a taste of that was really helpful, um, and then just kind of taking the rest of Sundays. To recover and get ready for the rest of the week and then being there with father peter who i've been with two different times now i've known him for a few years and just to be able to learn from a very good priest mentor was a was a good time good recovery on that that was uh, very good and you were i think you also had one of our seminarians with you for the summer right aaron alford was mm -hmm. with you he was there for pretty much my whole time as well good good and uh, you were there last summer mm -hmm. And so a lot of the duties that Aaron had were the duties that you had last summer, things right. that you do. So a lot of sick calls and bringing people uh, communion, things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Probably identifying to you if somebody needed to be anointed mm -hmm. or have their confession heard, things like that. Well, that was great. I'm sure Father Peter was very excited to have a newly ordained priest as well as a seminary. And that's a great place to be in the summer mm -hmm. because we have St. Joseph's Parish, we have Madre de Dios, we have the, the Madonna House community there. and so. Um, it's a good, good amount of different ministries that are mm -hmm. going on, I think, there in the summer. And plus, you were able to uh, help him out 
so he could go do mission appeals, mm -hmm. or in other words, beg for money for our diocese. <laughs> so we we do that quite a bit in our in our diocese. So you you did that, and now you just arrived in Gallup today, mm -hmm. and you're going to be here. Where are you going to serve? So I'll be at the cathedral for the next three weeks. Um, as far as I know, mass and confessions. I'm not sure what else is planned. There's not much to be able to do in three weeks, but I'm looking forward to being here. I, I was here uh, in previous summers as well. Most of my assignments have actually been here in Gallup. And so it's nice to be back and be able to serve as a priest uh, with Father Keller, who, who, whom I've known since I was in fourth grade. Um, so even just a, a few weeks with him, I'm looking forward to that right. as a priest now. He was one of the priests that really helped you to foster your vocation, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Or isn't he? <laughs> yes. So um, a, couple, a couple questions for you. What was it like? Because I can remember 20 years ago what it was like. And so what was it like the first time you were walking over and you were on the schedule for um, confessions? What mm -hmm. was that like? Um, maybe you can tell the people a little bit about that. So that would have been <clears throat> my first time hearing confessions was actually in Winslow. I didn't have any opportunity and I wasn't scheduled for the first three weeks of priesthood. And so that was actually kind of frustrating. You know, this is one of the things you want to do as a priest. Um, but it was actually a helpful lesson. The Lord was showing me through those three weeks. It's not what you do that makes you a priest. You are a priest. Sure. And so that was a, it, that was really helpful. And it actually calmed a lot of the nerves I had about confession because it reminded me he's the one that's doing this anyway. Sure. And so when I finally got to Winslow and had the first set of confessions that first Saturday that I was there, it was um, there, there weren't many nerves like I expected, and I think just the long wait helped. But also just knowing that the people are coming to experience God's grace. They're not there to see me. They're not there to talk to me. And that was very comforting. And so when people were coming in, the thing that I noticed right away was how easy it is to love someone and how much you can love someone you've never even met either because they're behind a screen or you don't see them that often, you've never met them. And they're literally pouring their heart out to you. And you're not there to get in the way, you're just maybe give some counsel if you know, something seems appropriate, but they're there for the love of God and for his mercy. And uh, so all of that was, it was a very powerful experience as I mean, most priests talk about that, but I had never heard a priest or, or thought about that aspect of love in the confessional because we obviously focus on mercy, but love and mercy are very closely related. They are. Uh, two, di two different sides of the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. um, I remember um, when I was uh, in the seminary, I had uh, my, my favorite professor in the seminary was uh, Father Jack Brennan. He's still a priest, Irish priest, uh, the uh, African missionary priest, just a great man. But he told us, I remember saying to us, gentlemen, when you, when you first hear confession, your first confession, you're going to hear it all. Mm -hmm. And I thought was that was an odd little statement because a lot of times people say, well, in the first 30 days, first year, you're going to hear it at all. But then he said, he followed it up with saying, because what you hear in the confession is you hear sin. And you're there to be an instrument of God. You're there to uh, be a dispenser of God's mercy. And so that people can, can receive um, absolution. So that's something that always stuck with me. I remember the first time I was, so it would have been in the beginning of July to 1998, and walking across the parking lot at St. Teresa Parish. And I remember in my mind, it's like, here I'm going, I'm walking into the box. I had, <laughs> I had this kind of term in my mind. And I was a little, I'd say I was a little nervous, mm -hmm. just because of the unknown. I was going to go sit in a confessional for an hour or so. 
And but the first person that came in, and I just kept remembering what Father Brennan had told me, and I found that is very, very helpful. And uh, then the other scene for me that I always have in my mind is when our Lord um, gives the gift of the sacrament of penance uh, to the church, you know, breathes on them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven, those you held bound are held bound, which also tells us that um, we do need to go before priests to receive the sacrament of penance to be forgiven of our sins um, because Jesus tells, says that. He says, the sins you forgive are forgiven, those you help bound are help bound. Well, the only way you can make that judgment call is if you hear mm -hmm. what exactly took place. And so this isn't something the church has made up. This is something that the Lord said 2,000 years ago, gave to the church post-resurrection. And um, once the church and her priests to be the dispensers of this grace, to be these instruments of God's mercy to people. And as most people know too, you know, you and I, we have to go to confession. If we know that we've committed a serious sin, we need to go to, to a priest to confession as well. And um, it's not like we can go stand in front of a mirror and give ourselves absolution. It doesn't work that way. But it really is a, a great gift to the church and to the faithful that's given from the Lord. So it goes all the way back to, all the way back to our Lord. But it is a, it is. Um, I, I remember the first day just like it was yesterday. So, so you, obviously, your confessions I think are one of the things I think are so important in the life of a new priest. And how about um, uh, your first mass? So you, you, you are ordained, and then you can celebrate with me at the mm -hmm. ordination mass. And then the next day you have your first mass. And so where did you have your first mass? So my first mass was at my home parish in Grants, St. Teresa of Avila. And there were, I believe, 12 concelebrant priests. I had a friend come in who played the organ and the church was packed. I've never seen it that packed since maybe I was little. And uh, it was very beautiful just to see all of the people from different stages of my life. Uh, not that it's such a long life yet, but the different stages of formation, education, seminary, etc to see them all gathered there, knowing in one sense, yes, they're there because it's me, but also because of what the Lord has done for me and in my life. Um, and it was a very beautiful celebration. I had a, a good friend who was the MC from Rockford, Illinois, Father Sean Grismer. Um, Father Fernando Camus, whom I mentioned from Phoenix, was there. Father Keller preached a great homily on the seven sacraments and focused on priesthood and now my new relationship with my family because the gospel that day was extremely fitting for a new priest. Um, that the Lord says, you know, unless you leave your father and mother behind and follow me, you have no share with me. Yeah. And so it was an extremely providential, um, it was just the 10th Sunday of ordinary time. It wasn't anything specific to priesthood, but it fit really well. Yeah, very benedicting, you know, prefer nothing above the love of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I was using the line the other day, he who sets his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. And so we, we, we can't have a divided heart, right? No, uh, a disciple can't have a, a divided heart. And, but I think a priest who's serving as a mediator between God and man and leading people into a deeper relationship with Christ and his church, you know, really just can't have a, a, a divided heart. And um, again, that line has to prefer, prefer nothing uh, to the love of Christ. So you, you had a, a wonderful first mass and um, and then a little time off 
went to Phoenix like everybody does for vacation in the summer. And then you uh, went to um, Winslow, the two parishes, and you just jumped right on the, the mass schedule. Mm -hmm. So how was that, uh, jumping on the mass schedule? Because on your first mass, there's lots of bells and whistles. It's a <laughs> Sunday mass, ordination, all kinds of things. And then when you, you jump into the weekday, the daily mass, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times there, there isn't singing unless we initiate it, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's not, you know, you might have a, a, a very small assembly as opposed to what's on Sunday. So what was that like, first mass, maybe weekday mass being on the schedule? Mm -hmm. It was pretty neat, actually. I thought because, as, as we've said, I was there last year, so I knew a lot of the people when I arrived. And I think, yeah, my first mass was a Wednesday or something. And uh, it was actually at that point I had started to realize you have to learn to pray differently as a priest. And so the different mass intentions that people have, or if, if Father Short had the mass and I'd say mass at a different time, remembering people that had asked me to pray for them. Um, so the aspect of kind of loading the altar with all these intentions and mm -hmm. the people that were praying for uh, really became prevalent because one, they're right in front of me as I'm praying for them, but also just knowing priest is there as the mediator and intercessor for people. Um, the other thing I noticed, though, which I didn't get last year, I preached a good bit last year, but... You could preach because you were a deacon, right? Right. Yeah. But I only had, I think, one weekday a week and then a few of the Sundays. But now it was pretty much every, every day, all of the weekends. And so really just having to dive in and immerse myself in the Word of God because... Even a weekday homily, it doesn't take that much preparation, but there's so many riches in a single passage of Scripture. Sure. And so trying to find something that's going to apply to the people that are there. Um, also finding things that were helpful in my own prayer life. But also finding sometimes, like, I'm, I'm tired. I just don't get this passage right now. What on earth am I going to say? And learning, you just have to give it to the Lord, and He'll find something for you. Um, and that was often the case, the, the times when I was just, I couldn't get anything. I was like, oh, well, maybe if I actually pray through this, this will help. <laughs> Stop I, relying on myself. Yeah, I find with myself, so my, my uh, schedule um, is I, I try to get into the chapel at 5 in the morning, and then I pray my office, and so I pray officer readings and uh, morning prayer, and then I'll take the readings and, and do uh, kind of a mini version of Lexio Divina, and kind of read over the readings, and I'll see if there's anything that stands out to me and then from that try to develop weekdays sometimes we speak you know preach two three minutes sometimes I think last week I got a little carried away I don't know why I think I went about five minutes but it was something <laughs> I was very excited about and I'm sure the 630 a.m. mass um, assembly was hoping for me to, to be quiet but uh, so I, that's that's one of the little the one of the little things that, that that I do I find myself doing just for a weekday homily mm -hmm. Um, sometimes there's a saint that comes up that you're really excited mm -hmm. about, maybe you have a, a particular devotion to. But one of the things I've always tried to do, and I know this isn't always the case, on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligations, um, we, we must give a homily. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not necessarily for a weekday Mass, but one of the things I've always tried to do, and I always have done, is I've always preached, no mm -hmm. matter what. No matter if it's, you know, a minute or five minutes or ten or twenty, whatever, I've always tried to, to give a homily to somehow break open the word for people. I think um, I think that's one of the things that we should do. I think people are longing for that. I think we they want us to help make the 
the word applicable to their life and maybe give them a little something to go away with and and um, maybe chew chew on a little throughout the day and maybe inspire them and you never know what they're what they're bringing to the to the church that day too they might have something and you might say something that really just kind of mm -hmm. goes to the heart for inspired by the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. but I, I yeah that's that's one of my little my little things that I've, I, I try to do um, is uh, like I said a little mini Lexo Divina I live with my um, Magnificat. <laughs> I love, Magnificat came out around the time I was ordained a priest. And then the great thing about Magnificat is if you get a subscription, you also have it on your phone. Mm -hmm. So you, you have no excuse. <laughs> you can have it wherever you go. Same with the Liturgy of the Hours. You, know, mm -hmm. you, can, you can have it wherever you go. And so there's no excuse not to pray it or not to know it. So, so you're, um, you had a great opportunity to do that. Let me ask you something. We're going to close down here in a few minutes. What so far, uh, you mentioned about confession. I really like that insight. And what so far has been the biggest surprise to you? I think the sacramental reality of our faith is one of the hardest things to buy into, if you will, because everything looks the same. Nothing has visibly changed. Um, you think of the Eucharist, it still looks and tastes like bread, but it's our Lord. And the same with, with priests. Um, I often think of the Annunciation when the angel appeared to Mary. Visibly nothing was changed, but the entire history of mankind had changed. And similarly for me, on ordination day, everything changed for me. And uh, obviously there are certain things that change at diaconate, but everything is very, uh, as a priest, you're marked for eternity. Sure. And so sometimes just wondering, why are people coming to me? Oh, that's right, I'm a priest now, I'm a father. Um, and so I have to, one, act like that, which it's not that I try not to, sure. but really just entering more deeply into that. And it affects the way I pray now, it affects the way I carry myself about. Um, even just kind of reading through things, just stopping and remembering, oh, I'm a priest now, or just listening to music, whatever. Whatever I'm doing, it's as a priest now, I can't get away from that. And um, that's been surprising because it's something you talk about a lot, but until you live it, you don't live it. <laughs> so yeah. it's something that is still setting in uh, in these first few weeks. It's a great responsibility. It obviously is a great gift, a gift to the church, um, you know, yeah, because I think about the line, he who is given much, much will be required. Mm -hmm. But I also think about that, that title, that great book by Archbishop Fulton Sheen, mm -hmm. A Priest is Not His Own, right? That's which is a phenomenal book. I, I recommend that to anybody who is either a priest, a seminarian, discerning uh, the priesthood, or somebody who wants to know more about the priesthood. Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's another one. Um, the Probably the biggest surprise, I had a big surprise when I was ordained, and it was when my, uh, my father called me father. <laughs> and I, being the silly, goofy, young priest tried to correct him and said no dad don't call me that and thankfully my two older brothers pulled me aside and said he wants to call you that you need to let him call you that and my dad died a year after I was ordained so I was grateful that I kind of came to my senses and allowed him to do that but I think it's, that's a great privilege for us to be called father mm -hmm. and um, so we're, we're spiritual fathers and what does a father do it protects a father protects he watches over. He provides. Uh, he's generative, like right. He gives life, 
And so that's what we do in the spiritual sense for the, the people that are entrusted to our care. So I, I think that's the greatest that we can always be called. Sometimes people will call me father and then they'll stop and correct themselves. <laughs> I said, we never lose that title. That's our favorite title. Mm -hmm. And actually, technically, a bishop is the most reverend father. So we, we, we hold on to that title. We never lose it. It's the best of them all. Well, Father, thank you for, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, I guess one of the interesting things I should say before we sign off is um, Father Mitchell Brown uh, served as the, did you have the mitre or the crozier for my ordination? Crozier. He, he was the crozier bearer for my ordination. And so that was uh, uh, April 23rd, 2009. And so I have these great pictures, and there is our now Father Mitchell Brown, who was a junior in high school, just standing right behind me, uh, uh, carrying the crozier. So this is, this is great to see his vocation come to fruition. So if there's one thing I could ask us to uh, do, please, please pray for our newly ordained priests. Uh, please pray for me. And please pray for all priests, and pray that we might have more men that will come forward and serve at the Lord's altar. Jesus in the scriptures he looks at the people he says there his heart is moved with pity and he said the remedy is beg the harvest master to send laborers into the vineyard in other words pray that the lord might call more men to serve faithfully the pre the faithfully the church in order to draw people into a deeper relationship with christ in his church well thank you father for thank joining you, us you're welcome and uh, god bless you and we'll uh, see you next time on crozier cast Thank mm -hmm. you.